Hello everyone, this is Moya from How Betty Davis Saved My Life, Life Lessons from Classic Hollywood. Look, this recording is going to sound a little bit different this week because Georgia and I were having technical difficulties. We were trying to do a live stream and that was a disaster. So uh, you're going to hear the audio pick up right in the middle of our conversation about Jezebel. That's right. Betty Davis's classic Jezebel starring she and Henry Fonda and George Brent and just a whole bunch of other people. We're picking it up right when um, she and George is talking and Henry Fonda, they're having their confrontation and they're going through their relationship battles. And um, But right before that, she's talking about the affair that Betty Davis had with William Wyler, the director. They were having a torrid affair and everybody knew it. So we're going to pick up right here with Georgia talking about that. I apologize for any, any inconvenience, but you know what, guys? The show must always go on. Here we go. How Betty Davis saved my life. Betty Davis's Jezebel. Take it away, Georgia. And so you've got 
gorgeous dresses that Betty Davis wears in this movie. And her costumes have so much to do with her character and the scene and her yes. feelings and the state she's trying to make. So you really have to pay attention, even her engagement. Notice how she arrives and what she's wearing at her engagement party. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's another couple of things about this movie that are kind of interesting. Um, there was an actress named Miriam Hopkins, and she appeared in the play, and she owned some of the rights to the actual um, storage of the film. Jack Warner, that snake in the grass, convinced her to sell her share of film rights to Jezebel, and he promised her that she would be the first actress considered for the lead role. Well, she took this to mean the role was hers. Mm -hmm. And then she found out she had been considered and rejected immediately. So on the night that Betty Davis won her Oscar at the Academy Awards, Miriam Hopkins went on a rampage. She threw such a violent temper tantrum that she trashed her New York hotel room. I don't blame her. I don't blame her one day all day. <laughs> I know, yeah. I yes, she was pretty upset about that. Yes. Um, and so there, there, there's some other fun things about this movie, and I'm going to try and get the movie over, but you got to know about this stuff while you're watching because it's just, it, it, it really adds to it. Um, there is a um, thing that is done gone with the women in this movie where, you know, like Scarlett hair kind of like pinches their cheeks to make them look like more red or more pink. Yes. Well, and there's a scene in this movie where Betty does that, and then she also takes off the, the back part of her hairbrush, and she and she's supposed to be tapping or smacking her cheeks. Yes. Well, during the filming, she did it so hard that she she just cheeks too hard. She had to take three days off of film. Oh my goodness. And then, yes, yes, and then also. Um, there's another time when she was too ill. To, uh, well, she wasn't too ill. She couldn't work because she developed a big pimple on her nose. So that shut down filming for another week and a half. They're already behind the schedule. Mm -hmm. And Betty had offered, it, they were taking so long that the Warner at the studio said, look, we're going to have to replace Wilder with another director. She stormed into Jack Warner's office and she said, absolutely not. Because there's nobody else who could get this good of an acting performance out of me and everybody else and i will stay here every night until midnight be back on his set at nine o'clock every morning if i absolutely have to do that do not remove him mm -hmm. and um also at the very last day of filming she was too ill to work oh, wow. well um she cried for days after the filming actually finished but for good reason she not only has she just ended the best movie performance she's ever given but but Dun, dun, dun. She was also pregnant with Wyler's child. Oh, what? Wow. Yes. There's some yes. good tea. Some pregnant. good tea. Well, you got some good tea. <laughs> so, when, <laughs> so when I say there is so much action that went on behind, behind the camera, I have never seen a movie like this where there was so much so, so, so much that went on in a movie. Um, but it's, it's salacious and it's as interesting as I'll get out. And so <laughs> now we can actually shift to the actual movie itself. Now that you know uh, behind 
how it affected the movie. Yes. Um, and all I want to say is, so I've seen this movie a dozen times, seen it at different stages of my life, and on the surface, it, to me, it appears as if it's about Julie, Betty Davis's character, and again, she did win the Best Actress Oscar that year. I, be, I believe Faye Bainter, she won Best Supporting, right? She did. Okay, and she was brilliant in this. Uh, so underrated, Faye Bainter. But anyway, as I am now older, I saw it in my early 20s, 30s, and now I'm in my late 40s. And I think, Georgia, this movie is about or, or just as just as about uh, Julie, it's about press the uh, the um, character Henry find the plays. If not a little more, and I think it's also about uh, of course it's about men and women relationships. But I saw it through his eyes. I bought you know all you I, I, you're encouraged to see it through her I seemingly. You're encouraged to see it from her point of view or, you know, through her because she is a star and the protagonist. But, or is she the antagonist? We don't know. But um, I looked at it, Georgia, through his eyes and, uh, and the eyes of the men. And I got a totally different perspective. What do you think? Yeah, I, you know, the second time I did see it a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. um, you know... You know, at the time that this movie was made, we were still with women roles. We were still trying to figure out, you know, just they dropped lines with how free women could be and the freedoms to be given to women. And so, um, I, you know, I did try to look at this from his perspective and see her the way that he looked at her. And yes, it does give you a whole different idea about, you know, he is trying to be um, confrontational against his his manhood and, um, and and sometimes I guess he felt like he didn't have much choice in the way he acted. Right. She just kind of would pin him to, to the point to where it's like, okay, if I'm going to um, rescue any vestige of my masculinity, I'm going to have to react in a certain way. And, and I kind of looked at it that way. Right. And, you know, now men are starting to assert themselves more in society as, like, men's rights and, you know, challenging a double standard. Uh, and of, this was set in New Orleans in the South, um, my hometown. And, uh, I, you know, I... I you know, they always portray the South in this kind of romanticized breeze. And to a certain point, it is. Um, mint juleps, that must have died out, you know, with, with spats or something. Because, I mean, I, my family, we've never drank mint juleps or anything like that. And uh, in some documentaries I saw about the South of New Orleans, people didn't drink mint juleps like that, you know. So, so certain little things they took liberties with. Um, what I did appreciate was... Uh, the, the French influence that some people spoke French uh, and, and, in the, and in those times and earlier on when Louisiana was getting developed 
they the first settlers looked at the Americans when they first came and they would call them foreigners. And so, uh, you know, that's why there was such hostility towards the North, even be, you know, this is pre-Civil War, this is a good little ways before the Civil War, but uh, outsiders were not looked on too kindly and traditions of the South, especially New Orleans, we still have a lot of traditions. So I did appreciate that. And the fashion tradition, let's go back to the fashions, because her wearing that red dress, she was not supposed to wear that red dress because uh, she was unmarried. So no married young lady, unmarried young lady, could wear anything besides white. You had to wear white if you were unmarried. So, and you know, she's trying to be a rebel, but that dress, Georgia, didn't that dress represent more than just fashion? What, what, in your opinion, what else did that dress represent, the red dress? It represented independence, that she didn't want men to control her. To me, it represented her rebelliousness. She was trying to make a, a statement saying, I am my own woman, I am my own person. And, you know, yeah, I realize there's rules, but uh, I am going to be myself and not like, I'm not like everybody else. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think too, um, it mainly represented, and this was based on a play. Um, I just, the name, the person's last name is Davis as well. Uh, it was a gentleman who wrote this play. Um, had a gentleman name might have been uh, a su- a pseudonym or something for somebody else. But anyway, um, it was really aimed at press at Henry Fonda's because yeah. she, like you said, she didn't want him to be controlled to control her. But he was not trying to control her. I mean, he was he was stating a fact. New Orleans, their society had traditions, and you couldn't buck those like that you know and of course things would change later on in life but you know that was one thing but he realized when he when she like you said when she wore that dress that was aimed at him to show i have power over you i can control you i am the stronger person in this relationship and that's what i was trying to get at how uh you know just silly really really silly because you she didn't even win the win the battle. She lost the battle and the war. So you know we don't want to give too much away for those of you who haven't seen it. But when she puts when she, when that dress looks, soon as that dress comes on the scene, it's it's an issue, isn't it, Georgia? <laughs> that dress is controversial oh. immediately. Everybody is scandalized by it. Yes, it, 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 it's hard for us to believe in this day and age. But when you go to a cotillion or to a formal thing like that, where that's the everybody wears white, and then she comes in brazenly and makes uh, makes the, what is that she makes? <laughs> and with this, I mean, all New Orleans society is just—that's the word for it. They're all just scandalized by it. You know what cracked me up? Even the slaves, the black people, and the, uh, the servants. <laughs> yes. They looked, girl, I want to fall out of my chair. The, 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 there was a lady behind her, there was a lady in front of her. So the lady who came in from the front, you know, of course she saw the uh, dress first. And the look on her face, like, girl, now I know you ain't. <laughs> and I guess she was saying, now y'all supposed to be better than me. But here you come, trash, with this red dress. You know, you could just read her thoughts. Of course, I'm projecting. But the look, so pay attention, it's just a brief second. The lady, the first servant, 
when she walks up and see that she looked looked at her like no way i say no ma'am pam no ma'am but it was so and then the lady the other servant behind them behind uh and when she took the cloak off of her and saw it it was just hilarious so that was her her first mistake was and we don't want to give too much away the confrontation at the bank then the second mistake was the damn dress and she just kept failing over and over and over in her relationship with um press and a lot of women i kept saying why do women do that why do we try to um there's a term they use on the internet i'm not gonna curse so i'm trying to curse but uh ish ish trash or uh, ish talk your uh your your boyfriend or something like that and men can do it to women too but try to manipulate them and try to push them see how far you can push them you know with whatever antics that you do and like i like you said you when you see the movie it fight backfires miserably well we well we can kind of say because we don't you you, you you know, so after the end of the ball, like I said, so Georgia, my other favorite part, whilst they're dancing, and she, yeah. so, well, before they start dancing, she feels those lasers and those daggers shooting at her naked back, right? Her uncovered porcelain alabaster shoulders. She feels those daggers from everybody's eyes. And I love the fact that Henry Fonda was like, nope. We ain't going nowhere, honey. This is what you wanted, and here we go, girl. He grabbed her and they started. The, I, I, it was hilarious. I thought it was funny. Oh, I know. I, I, and you know, I was totally with him on that. I, no, you. This is what you wanted, and you're. Yeah, I was completely on board with him. I was on his side. Yeah, I was so glad he didn't rescue her. You know, because you want to be strong, you want to buck society. You want to be rebellious and you got me in this song? You want him to co-sign with you? Okay, well, let's do it. We're going to go all the way. And he did that and did not let her off the hook. And it was absolutely fabulous. It was delicious. Now, what do you think about, um, and I'm sorry, guys, George Brent fans, I neglected to put a uh, something up on him on here. But what did you think about George Brent's character, Buck Cantrell? Well, you know in some ways, I thought he was probably just about the best developed male character mm-hmm. in this movie. Yeah. Um, he, he was in a lot of ways. Um, I felt that uh, he not only, not only did this role demonstrate his great acting ability, mm-hmm. but um, I thought that he, you know, he knew that she was, and I don't give anything away about this movie at all. He knew and understood she could be a manipulative person and that she was trying to manipulate him and goad him as well. She knew that. I mean, he knew that she was doing that, just like she did with uh, press. Um, also, though, this point of honor, you know, where... There is a duel in the movie, okay? I, I don't want to... Yeah, that, that's another very pivotal area about this movie. Um, and this is like... And this is all her doing. Um, this is... This is Julie, you know, Betty Davis' character. She has a role in this, and 
you feel, you know, the Christian honor that these men have, they carry to such a ridiculous degree. And she, you know, I don't want to go into too much what's surrounding, but I felt that to the very end, he stayed with this character of being the still, like, you know, I will uphold the lady's honor. However, even if it means facing down, you know, a duel with somebody. And right. uh, so to me, it was really one of the very, very most interesting characters in this movie, George Brent was. Um, and you really have to pay attention to what he does in this movie because it, it is just an amazing role here and yes. it really shows how good George Brent is and I think the writing for this role is also in some ways to me it's even more interesting than the role of uh that Henry Fonda has when he plays Press Dillard that's in so some ways I think it's more interesting yeah this was one of George Brent's better roles I don't know if he was nominated or not but he should have been and that's so interesting you said that because uh Betty Davis did not want Henry Fonda for this role. She wanted, or the studio wanted, uh, John Wayne, believe it or not. And kudos to uh, Ben Mankiewicz. I saw this on TCM. It's always on TCM, guys. I don't know if it's uh, ever anywhere else. But uh, according to Mankiewicz, uh, she wanted John Wayne because she felt like just basically... Henry Fonda's character, now I don't know if she meant the way he played him or his character, would not have been strong enough to hold Julie or intimidate her. So she felt like they needed someone like John Wayne who could really pose some type of uh, presence with her. And in, and I could see, I could see what she's saying with that, but you could not have a John Wayne and a Buck Cantrell because they would have, you, they would have been too much of the same person I think that they needed the Henry Fonda character to offset and contrast the Buck Cantrell's uh, character so I, I I prefer Henry Fonda because he had you know he's such a brilliant actor and he took that character to a depth because when he was strong like when he tried to have some physical try to exert some type of a physical control over her over her well his heart wasn't in it so it, it went nowhere and I love how he portrayed that his heart was not in trying to have some control some uh, exert some kind of physical control over her but he played it to me Georgia perfectly that he loved her he was tender with her he was patient with her but he was not going to be her fool and he had that what they call that I guess that silent well she said he was too passive but that passive aggressive silent strength he had it and when he needed to use it didn't he use it did he use it guys he used he it he did. dropped a bomb on her didn't he drop a bomb on her oh it's nuclear and she didn't see it coming <laughs> he dropped we're not gonna tell you what it was but he dropped a bomb on her and then she proceeded to weave her web, deadly web, and we underline when we say deadly. Um, and we don't want to give away too much. Um, and we're going to start wrapping it up because if we keep talking, we're going to give away too much. Um, Donald Crisp is in this movie. Margaret Lindsay, 
Teresa Harris. We talked about her before in uh, Barbara Stanwyck's Babyface. She was her black uh, best friend slash uh, personal assistant because she really wasn't their maid, so to speak. But anyway, she looked very, very lovely in this film uh, because it was black and white. They, hadn't, they didn't paint her all dark. She plays Zetty. Uh, the maid slave, I guess, to uh, Betty Davis. Um, but you can really see how pretty she was because we were saying in Blossoms in the Dust they had her painted her so they painted her so dark, but that's because that was like one of the first color movies and um, it just had her looking absolutely ridiculous. Um, and uh, and I will say this: some people will disagree, and you know, hey, you welcome to your opinion. But I think the way the servants or the slaves, because they were still slaves, you know, um, in the in the, in the home, I think they were treated. Comparatively speaking, I think they were treated, the characterization of them was treated far better than you see them in some other movies. They weren't shuffling and, shuffling and jiving and couldn't, could not speak English well or broken English. So you didn't, I didn't cringe as much. Let me just say, I didn't cringe. So I think yeah. they did a fairly decent job of, with the black characters. What do you think? I do. I know the thing that I thought was inaccurate. Of course, you know they made him like cheery and happy. Right. You know, of right. life, and and we all know that that's not how it was. Right. But I have to agree in that they did a better depiction of they treated the the slave characters better than they did with the Gone with the Wind. Yes. And so I think in ways, yes, this was done much better. I mean, they spoke more articulately right uh they were they were portrayed as much more intelligent they were key to the family yes uh, the, and uh, everything that was going on they were key to the action they were a large part of it um and so in many ways yes i think they were treated um the, the treatment was better in this movie than i've seen in many others yeah and of course you know i I, I want to tell people, please don't dismiss the whole movie because of the way this time capsule from the late right. 1930s, because right. this movie is definitely worth seeing. Yes. So, people know that this is, is wrong. We all, yeah, it right. is. I mean, there's no apologizing no, for it. There's no, no, no. Yeah, you, you can't do that. But I, I want everybody to know that um, this movie, in some ways, I think has more depth, more to even then when with the wind, you know, I was, yeah. you, know, you can't help but make the comparison right. when you see the movie. Right. Uh, and um, I think that um, the movie is so seminal, not only because of the, the scenery and the costumes and the sets and the fantastic performances. Right. But this, the, to see this movie is understand how Betty Davis became a legend. Yes. This is the movie I think she owes to all of the rest of the movies because I think this is what people said, you are undoubtedly a star and we have to deal with you now as a star. Yes. Uh, yes. And this is the movie that, that did that for her. So that's why I think this is important in a historical sense, a career sense, and just with the movie, with the movie itself. Yes. Yes, I totally agree. I couldn't add anything to that. Um, I, I, I said the same thing. I was like, man, this movie, dare, dare I say it, is a sacrilege. It's kind of better than Gone with the Wind. Gone with the Wind, you know, it's such an epic saga, and there's so much to see and look at and 
of course, Vivian Lee is fan-freaking-tastic and uh, Clark Gable, whatever. But I think this movie is the more sophisticated movie, the more, you know, cerebral. I hate to use that word, um, but I want to use a better word. But I, I, I'll stick with sophisticated and more uh, cosmopolitan, more modern, even though it's harkening back to these other days. But uh, I really loved how... The, the relationship between Henry Fonda's character and Betty Davis, Julie, and Press. I really, really enjoyed that that battle of the sexes. It was so realistic. I really enjoyed it. It wasn't too, you know, with, with uh, Red Butler and um, Scarlet, you know, it was, like I said, it was an epic sweep and saga. And some of it was, I don't want to say ridiculous, but it, it, that's not the right word. And not even over the top. You know, it could be just a little bit... Um, too silly, you know, and Gone with the Wind. It was some of it was a little silly there back and forth. I still love it. Still one of my favorite films. I appreciate it. But yeah, this is the more sophisticated uh depiction of those time, the pre-Civil War era era. And Georgia, we forgot to say there is death is looming in this movie, right? We forgot to mention that. Uh malaria is also a character oh, yeah, in this fever. movie. Yes, yellow fever yeah. and yellow jack. It is another character. It doesn't get any credits on film, but it is another character in this movie. So throw that in with a battle of the sexes. Throw that in with the Civil War looming. With people, uh, you have to stay with traditions and keeping up appearances. So there's a lot of pressure. It's a boiling pot, this movie. And that's all I have to say, ma'am. I'm going to give you the last word. Well, Moya, I have to agree with your comparison with Gone with the Wind and Jezebel. Uh, and I, I'm surprised to hear myself say it, but I think in many ways, this is more sophisticated than Gone with the Wind is. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and that, that's yeah. it for me. That's, that's all I wanted to say. Well, guys, I truly hope that you enjoy our first live. Tell us what you think. Um, comments are, you know, comment below. We really appreciate it. Thank you guys again for all your support. Uh, please share and tell everybody about um, how Betty Davis saved my life. We're at 90 subscribers, which is nothing I know on Facebook. I know that, but we would, we were, we are ecstatic that we got that. You know, we've been going at it for a year now, um, and you know, quite honestly, George and I, we have other lives, so you know, whenever we can. We try to give you uh, what we can, but we try to give you the best. So we don't want to rush anything. We want to take our time and make sure we give you the best presentation that we can. And we're going to work on trying to get this tech together for this live streaming. Um, but we hope you enjoyed it. We want to do it again. Let us know what you think in the comments section below. We look forward to being with you again. Don't forget how Betty Davis saved my life every other week, our podcasts are pinned below. We are on Apple and Spotify and Amazon. And uh, let's see, I don't want to leave any one of them out here. Google we go. and iHeart. Yes, here we go. These are where we are right now. I got them on the screen. And please check us out. Share, like, share, share, like, comment. We also have a YouTube page. And we're, we're working on that as well. But we so enjoy being with you guys. You take care and let us know what you think. I'm more. Well, there you have it, guys. We were trying to do our first live and just had technical difficulties, but we still enjoyed every moment that we had with you all. 
and we hope to try to do another live and get ourselves together but we know you you are hanging in there with us and i am moya and i'm going to say goodbye on behalf of georgia as well for how betty davis saved my life life lessons from classic hollywood this was jezebel 1938 betty davis with jezebel see you guys next time take us out shaka <laughs>